0: Today I'm chatting with founder and CEO of Soundwell, I mean Abdullah. How are you today, Amin?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks. Uh, thanks for setting this up. Yeah. Look forward to this. Yeah.
0: Me too. You know, your story is fascinating to me because I've been working hard to become a professional musician for over a decade. When suddenly I got <laughs> drawn into the world of network marketing. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't stay in network marketing, but I caught the entrepreneurship bug and have been passionate about it ever since. You also followed an unlikely path in the sense that. You grew up playing sweaty clubs and punk bands, but then you turned around and got a business degree with a focus in computer technology, and then you moved into audio mm-hmm. engineering. I'd love for you to talk about how that transition happened.
1: <laughs> well, my my mother and father are from India, so rather than going into medicine, we compromised on business.
0: Ah, uh, I see. So that,
1: <laughs> but but you know, like, in reality, I think it was a good move just to actually make something serious but if you're gonna follow your passion and actually do something with it, I think it's good to have like a a full knowledge of the industry and business. and I think it also allows you to kind of see where things are going and if you want to do something seriously and professionally and actually make money at it like combine your passion with with your job. Um, I think it's important to get a little bit more of a well-rounded you know case. and I'm sure you went through the same thing just um kind of getting the whole overview of of combining music with business and mm-hmm. seeing the trend of where it's going to go and stuff. So for me like it it was a little bit like I'm okay I'm getting this degree in business but as soon as I'm done I'm going to go to audio school, right? And that's what I'm thinking the whole time because that's what I wanted to do. And then I worked in cuz I got a business degree with a focus in in computer information systems. So, in which I didn't pay attention in my classes at all. So, it, after after I graduated, you know, the economy was pretty bad, and like, what am I going to do? So, I ended up actually getting a job working. It was actually with AmeriCorps. It was like a volunteer job, and that was actually working with small businesses and helping them with their IT needs, um, doing like web pages and. Uh, like Excel spreadsheets just doing databases for them and kind of like I I kind of enjoyed it (laughs) so at that point I branched off and worked with, with one of the clients that came to the workshop for for the volunteer stuff and this lady she was uh running this clothing factory in the south side of Chicago and she made uh coveralls and and for the navy in the military um so she would get all, being African American and a female, she would get all kinds of grants from the government. So she was really busy, or not. I don't want to say she was busy, but she was getting a lot of work, but didn't have a way to automate her productions. So I ended up working in her factory for a couple of years, and got kind of good at like, you know, coding and making all these automated systems and things like that. It was really an interesting job. And finally, like she, she stopped, you know, paying me, so I left. But ended up going to audio school. But I had this kind of way to, you know, I, I really liked coding. And mm-hmm. I like the logic behind it. And that's kind of what, I mean, I, I brought this, you know, full circle back. But I'll just tell you, like, after, after that experience, I moved to Minneapolis and went to audio school. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I like? What do I really like? I like electronic music. And I like post-production. Essentially, they're kind of the same thing. Um, you have to be really good at editing, really good at frequencies, shaping sounds, and things like that. So I thought, okay, this is one avenue that I could take going into post, where I can actually justify buying all this gear and mm-hmm. playing electronic music. And it's, a lot of musicians do the same thing; they'll they'll get a job in post just so they can support their their habit because it's really tough to to make it in music unless you're touring all the time. And I mean, it's, I think that's more of an example now than even back then where people were still somewhat getting some money from record sales. Um, but so after a while, um, you know, I, I mean, I worked in post for gosh, like 16, 17 years now. And I loved the challenge behind it and the tight deadlines and, and, multitasking servicing clients like that was all super challenging for me and i liked it um still sound design is like it's a true art and i think only a very few amount of people do it really really well you know you can just kind of wing it throw some sound effects things shape them and eq and stuff but it's it's truly an art so that kind of kept me interested in getting better at that and then you know in the evenings i would like play my synthesizer and record bands and make records and stuff like that so everything was great right everything's working good i have a good job i can make music but after a while it was just kind of getting to a point where okay i want to do this with other people i have so many people all over the world that i want to collaborate with um In fact, even even from a work standpoint, we have a lot of clients all over the place. We're in Minneapolis, uh, or I was in Minneapolis, and I have clients on either coast, like New York and L.A., and as much as they wanted to work with me, um, it's much more comfortable to go into a local studio in the same room and get get your mix right in front of you and tell somebody to stop when it's bad, turn this up, turn this down. Like people are used to that and they don't want to be able to compromise, you know, even like a couple of seconds of lag to where you can hear them saying, turn this up, turn this down. That gets really frustrating. Um, So between trying to find some kind of solution that works in the studio and, you know, losing business, I just said, I'm gonna do this myself because I've had this idea for a while, like maybe two thousand ten or eleven, but the tech just wasn't there. I mean, the connection speeds were still slow. There was still a lot of interference with Wi-Fi and I mean, the Wi-Fi definitely wasn't there at that point. So I decided to revisit that a f- couple of years ago, like two thousand and fifteen and then uh, I got introduced to uh, a person in in New York from a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine and a client, like who was a consultant for me as well. It's kind of a weird relationship, but hmm. he was in in media tech, and I was doing like recording voiceovers and things like that for him. And he's like, "Hey man, I think we can find somebody to code this project for you." And it's it was a guy in New York. His name's Stan. Actually, he's a he's a really good friend of mine now. And he took on. He just didn't say no to anything. <laughs> so maybe if he said no, I wouldn't be here with this product. But hmm. it's a difficult project to handle. I mean, we took it to MIT and Stanford and stuff, and they said it's just too, too innovative. Meaning, like we can't guarantee results with something like this. Yeah. And and so Stan's like, yeah, I'll do it. He's a a Ukrainian man, and he took on the project and ended up like getting some developers from Kiev and then I ended up working with them directly after, you know, the, with a project like this. I mean, you, you have to understand like it's, and, and the hardest thing I learned is that y- you can't assume people know what's in your head, especially if you're coming from such a niche workflow like with music production or post-production. So I'm just thinking the first day of meeting these guys and having this huge business plan and workflow and stuff, they're gonna understand it, but no man, it takes it takes years if if they understand it at all. So I eventually had to go over there to Kiev and I stayed there almost two years working with these developers and making sure it actually worked and working with them doing tests every day. And so it was just a really lucky position I could be in to quit my job and kind of live off my savings and and beg, borrow money and try to develop this stuff. And it it ended up in a, I feel like I was lucky in a lot of ways, but I think the main thing was just persistence and, and not leaving until I got what I wanted. But I did get it. I certainly got a taste of the possibility that it can actually work. And that's when I went over there. Cause you can kind of see, okay, give me some kind of proof of concept. So the audio streaming was, was working the synchronizing machines over the network was working and the video streaming was working. And those are the three main components of, of sound whale. So I don't, I don't know if I answered your question, but I kind of <laughs> branched off in a little background and history there. Um,
0: That's a great overview. I
1: think I <laughs> of,
0: of, of the things we're going to cover in Sorry. this interview. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, just by way of comment, like something you mentioned about that connection between music and performing and, Uh, entrepreneurship when I started exploring that you know I wasn't I was starting to explore the practical side of what it would mean to to be someone who's passionate about music but someone who also wanted to generate cash flow and and Mm -hmm. profit and revenue and while you know serving the world and adding Mm -hmm. value to to a specific audience what I started doing because I think there was there were people beginning to talk about music and entrepreneurship as kind of two separate things at that mm-hmm. time in 2011, but no mm-hmm. one had quite made the leap to music entrepreneurship, which is where, mm-hmm. which is right. where I went, and, and that's, that's, of course, the namesake of my website. Yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I think yeah. I ended up benefiting a lot of people just because I started talking about the connection, not totally understanding where <laughs> it was going to go or how it could mm-hmm. how it could be packaged and sold just yet <laughs> but well, i think that those
1: conversations are what actually kind of made it go in the direction it did people had to talk about it and discuss it because it was so unknown at that point yeah i mean nobody know knew how to re- reconcile what happened after the like digital age kicked in when when record sales just plummeted and like musicians aren't making any money and it's, you know, actually if you look at the history of it and I'm sure you, you know this much better than I do, but like the whole history of music, you know, musicians never made much money historically. There was just like a golden era where people were really kicking it up and making record sales. And, you know, for about, I don't know, like 60 years or something like after the Beatles, you know, and then now it's just kind of back to normal, I think. And people are, Actually, using their, the means of the web for actual exposure and marketing and stuff like that a lot easier than they did. So it kind of shifted, but I think people are working hard again and touring and, and doing it like that. Um, but it's—I I think like without the conversation and without, you know, really digging into it, it, it would have completely failed.
0: Those are great points. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. You know, you hinted at this already about some of the challenges that, that came up. But, you know, today people often talk about the fact that remote studio collaboration mm-hmm. is easier than ever. But there mm-hmm. have been some technical and technological challenges to making mm-hmm. this work. So talk about that.
1: Well, I think the, the, well, the first point, it's easier than ever. It's It's true and not true. I think mm. it's really true because there's just so many ways to do it. I mean, for years now, I've even been using Skype to connect my, like a feed from my studio into a Skype channel, calling somebody on Skype on a good connection. And they're listening to my feed from like my Pro Tools mix or whatever, like that, from two machines. But it wasn't too convenient. There were some dropouts and things like that. And that's kind of like the way we hack it together. But there's also some other software that that does this, um, that's been on the market for a while. Like some, I think one mistake people did was try to sell jamming software, because nobody's ever gonna be happy with that. <laughs> I think defying the laws of physics are, are, are not uh, in any software's capabilities at this point. So that was a mistake, but then there's also collaborative software. where you can just connect and stream with one another, but there are issues with network, networking there are issues with delays there are issues with uh, jitter mm-hmm. um sample rates so there's a lot of things i feel like nobody sat down and did a lot of the use cases that people do on a day-to-day level and i'm talking like you know, from music production to post production because you'll see a lot of stuff that's geared maybe towards post or something geared towards music. Actually not so much towards post and we'll get into that in a minute, but more music production stuff where um you'll I think people are creating editors. There's a couple of softwares out there. I don't can't remember the name, but there's like an editing software where it pretty much competes with Pro Tools or Logic. And and you can connect with somebody else and stream and do cloud and stuff like that. But it's too big, man. It's too beefy. There's too much CPU issues involved. And by the time the audio stream gets over, there's a lot of jitter. And I'm sitting here and editing something where I could have just used Pro Tools to do the edit. You know, you can use whatever you like and and actually just have something just to stream. So that's what I wanted to do was have just something really simple that has a very solid purpose of streaming audio between one another. But also be able to cover all of the use cases you could in a studio. And like coming from music and post background, I wanted to be able to cover those uh that ground and if you look at like okay look at DAWs like uh what do you use by the way do you are you a pro tools user or logic or
0: uh surprisingly you, I, I is, use something that uh much more <laughs> community uses but I use traction oh my god I don't even know what what is traction <laughs> it was originally developed by by Mackie so it was it was bundled with you know ah, some of their their hardware yeah. and then in time it. I it see it became its own thing but what i like about it is just the workflow i just find mm-hmm. it so fast and easy to use whereas yeah. some of these other daws are so clunky okay. and you know difficult to learn yeah. it takes time Absolutely. And, but you know i had a friend who was wanting to learn pro tools at about the same time so we both delved into it in that yeah. sp- in that space. And I still ended up going in the direction of traction.
1: Really? That's interesting. I'm, I'm, this is awesome by the way, because I <laughs> hear so many things. I don't hear so much about traction. Now I remember what you're saying because they package this, I think with some of their, uh, control surfaces too. Yes. Um, back then. And I, and I used to have one of them like the, the Mackie HUI UI protocol, uh, you know, that automated fader board or whatever. With the scrub wheel, I think this came with that. Um, but I never used the software because I was using Pro Tools. But that's really good to hear that you're still on it. Um, and yeah. do they do they update it? Do you know, or is it like a?
0: They do. They're up version. to they're up to Traction Seven now. So okay. I think Mackie kind of dropped off around yeah. Traction Three, and then right, right, know, it, nothing happened for quite a while. And then for a while, it was like, oh, new version every year. Yeah. Awesome.
1: But yeah, I mean, that's that's my point exactly. Like everyone's going to have their own taste to what they like. And if if I were to develop something that competed with their workflow, for example, if I made a DAW with all this editing and plugins and all, you know, a different has like maybe a conflicting slightly workflow, people wouldn't like it you know, it's, you can't, you can't really mess with somebody's workflow, especially when they're doing something creative. And I think that's really important to keep that kind of a thing. So mm. what I wanted to do was build somewhat of a bridge and have, uh, users use what they like and what they're used to, and then connect it like a bridge through sound stream it to the other side. So you could essentially be using, and a lot of people use like this, like, Traction or Pro Tools or whatever you use, and yeah. just have SoundWale sound in the background, uh, streaming your stuff um, while you're still in your your interface. So that was what was really appealing to myself, even because I'm a I I'm pretty law even if I have a different mouse. I will seem extremely slow with Pro Tools. Like, I won't <laughs> know where I'm going. So I actually bring my own mouse to studios that I freelance, and people get so much wow. sh- shit for that. They're like, oh, use the the Mighty Mouse? You know, that's outdated. Use the trackball. I'm like, no, man. <laughs> I like my Mighty Mouse. <laughs> so it's really funny if, if I'm picking up a gig freelancing somewhere that I pulled this mouse out of my pocket. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, but in that way it has sense like you you're used to your own workflow and you don't want to dissect that or or take it apart and learn something else especially when you want to pick something up and you're feeling creative in that moment um so the the way it works is like in traction you you can choose an audio interface in traction right you can like select whatever you're, you're using Absolutely. I'm yeah so and is it uh see is only for mac are you a mac user
0: I use or, Mac, I use both Mac and PC, so I might be a little bit okay. unusual that way.
1: Ah, no, that's awesome. So in in your uh, in Traction, you would choose like SoundWale for your audio interface, hmm. um, and then in SoundWale itself, Traction's going to pop up in your like your sources, and then you can choose what source you want to send to the other person, and then call them, and then that's it. Wow it's, it's pretty, pretty intuitive, pretty simple in that way. It looks like a, I wish I could have, you know, I got so busy. I was thinking of sending it to you and just so you can mess around with it. I didn't even know you were a musician until like uh. an hour ago. So <laughs>
0: I know it, it happens like that these days, right? I think it used yeah. to be that you know you would spend weeks or days poring over an interview <laughs> on either side, on either side, right? You research yeah. the other person yeah. and go, what else I can I learn about them? Oh man! And, and then I know. these these days, it's just like, oh yeah, I I looked on my computer half an hour before. <laughs> <or whatever."
1: laughs> totally, I know. I'm sorry, man. I feel uh, bad now. It,
0: no, like, not at all.
1: You know and and even for doing it for for podcasts like we talked earlier you can actually just call somebody in that way if you have an external mic you would choose it as your source you could do it inside but the thing is like you see the person if you want you can use the talk back you can type message kind of like skype i guess Mm -hmm. and then additionally you can record um the signal that you have and then the signal that's coming in as well and just do it as a stereo track and when you import it into I guess traction <laughs> you can uh, see the split and just split it off and and uh, if you want to EQ it or whatever you can do it like that too
0: but sounds very simple to use that's awesome hmm yeah really would have been cool to to experiment but yeah I mean, perhaps another time and yeah know, to your point too like I've done a fair share of Skype interviews that unfortunately went sideways you know i can maybe count on on one hand the number of times that's happened but even then it's like some of those people aren't going to come back and do a full interview no. with me cuz they can't <laughs> so it's exactly. like disappointing right yeah, yeah yeah
1: what what happened just the connection did, like got screwed up or
0: there was there was a period where that was happening and in, in which case yeah. we just rescheduled but the you know the recording whatever for whatever reason the audio itself was like corrupt so it was either skip, uh-huh. skipping or the voices were uh you know there was a delay between the voices and suddenly they're overlapping in different parts oh, so it just man. made it completely unusable
1: yeah yeah i know what you do, exactly what you're talking about yeah <laughs> that happens a lot with skype for sure man
0: it does unfortunately yeah yeah so, so you know, I, I do rely a little bit on the press releases I'm sent for, for information mm-hmm. on my guests. But, you know, you even mm-hmm. talk about losing clients because of how poor the remote <laughs> collaboration was working. So that yeah. must have been frustrating. Well, how did that make you feel? Oh, yeah.
1: Um, frustrated and motivated completely. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was because this was in my mind for a long time and that just did it for me. You know, I had a client in, in Minneapolis that had offices in LA, and studios in LA. It's a production company. And they like me, they like our team, and they wanted to give us all the mixes. But unfortunately, the LA team's like, all right. I mean, the LA team said, let's do something and work with these guys, figure out a remote solution. And we tried a lot of stuff, man, like so many things over a couple of weeks. It was a really slow time at the studio, so this was the time to actually take everything apart and even install a bunch of different hardware boxes, dedicated hardware boxes. Um, and this was on like consumer level stuff, because there's companies, like when we were just at IBC, even, and there have been companies around for a long time that have extremely expensive solutions, like that news stations and broadcast stations use that are pretty good, you know, for streaming audio and video. Um, but they're locked and dedicated like hardware lines, like, I don't even know how they work but it's really you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars just to get something like this you know to stream and for consumer level it was a few thousand bucks but still it just didn't work because of the delays the network difficulties because you have to get around firewalls and things like that Hmm. and then the other thing was uh the quality was just too compressed and that kind of compression it's uh it just didn't I mean there was really no point in having a mix when a lot of those high frequencies are compressed like that It just didn't you know, we're an audio studio We shouldn't have to compromise the sound even even if somebody's not listening in the best environment, you know, it's It's something they need to hear on headphones or I mean a lot of our production companies even have a decent room just for monitoring Inside of their studio like where they in their edit suites and stuff and it just didn't work too well And then the talkback situation was was pretty bad too because to- the talk back would work on a different pace as the actual stream, so you can imagine that getting a little confusing because if somebody is saying stop, and you don't know like or they're sa- they're talking about something but you don't know there's so much information going on in the span of a few seconds you don't know what they're talking about and you ask them again was it this part you <laughs> know was it this part like stuff like that so it was just not an easy way to find a solution and and so i think within a few months i decided and i i think i had already started developing sound Whale at this point just on a smaller mm. scale and then i decided to kick it up a notch when this happened so i left my job within i think six months and you know maybe thought i could take three months off to see what would happen and then, like a month later, I just put in my my leave because I knew I needed to spend some time there and and figure this out
0: because
1: mm. so this is not an easy solution. And I think it's a combination of technology and also practicality, like what's actually important in a session and what you have to focus on, and then I, the actual workflow of a session too. You know, okay, I've recorded these takes. Now, how do I organize them? Right. I'm recording like literally hundreds of takes of this voiceover. What do I do if I don't have Pro Tools? If I'm, if I'm like an ad agency or production company, how do I manage these takes? So that's something that we offer as well. Like if you're not a Pro Tools user, you don't have much audio knowledge, you can actually record voiceovers directly. Because, I mean, a very high percentage of voiceover talent have pretty decent setups in their in their place. They just can't invite clients to them. <laughs> so that kind of bridges that gap of, okay, let the client directly work with that person from SoundWhale, mm. something like that. So it it took a while to document and just go through everything, but everything was already in my head. It's just getting getting it out and getting it to the developers took took a little while. But yeah, so... I don't know if I answered your question again I just I branch off so please hone me in if, <laughs> if I tend to do that.
0: No that's that's great and, <laughs> and I mean some of those frustrations are basically what led to the development of Soundwell and yep. you know it was kind of like a scratching your own itch kind of thing but I'm sure you saw mm-hmm. that it was going to prove useful for for a lot of different people which I imagine yeah. is why you why you created it. I guess mm-hmm. a couple of things that I found interesting uh, this was sort of not entirely clear in the press release, but it seemed to indicate that you're not using the cloud. No, no. Interesting. Why is um,
1: that? And that's the, that's the question I got at the conference a lot too. And then mm. I explained it, and people were like, yeah, actually, some people came to me because I'm not using the cloud. Huh. Um, because if you think about it, if you're not streaming, right, and you're using the cloud, the cloud is awesome. Like I personally love it. I think it's super convenient. And it works well for many applications, video reviews, like documents, even, even audio stuff. But imagine this. like You're in the cloud. You're working on the same like, Pro Tools session or whatever. Uh, you record something and instantly you can save it and it pops into the other user's session. That's awesome. You can work on the same thing. You don't have to worry about, about bandwidth of streaming and stuff like that. It's super efficient, really good. But for applications, Applications like direction, communicating, voiceovers, you gotta wait for the file before you can you can hear it or hear a mistake in it. Or you you like for example, if a voiceover is recording something, you know, they pop it in. I, I might be monitoring over the phone, but that kind of defeats the purpose also. I mean, I want to hear it in high quality. So once they hit save, it pops into your session. And I have to wait for them to do their sentence. I want them to t- uh, stop in the moment and capture that like feeling because we always humans will always work on muscle memory. So if you're working with a voiceover artist and they're kind of in this groove, right? Mm-hmm. After you give them a bunch of direction, you have to tell them stop at the right moment and be able to you know capture that instead of wait for a file essentially. So uh, that was the reasoning behind that although what we do do um is if you do record a take we can pop it into another sound user's session instantly as well so that cloud kind like the cloud functionality without actually saving stuff in the cloud is still there like peer-to-peer though does that make sense i mean does that yeah because yeah okay
0: yeah absolutely that makes that makes a lot of sense okay and uh I guess the other thing that the press release indicated was that you're, this is basically the beta launch. I imagine there's still a lot of testing going into it.
1: There's a lot of testing. Uh, there's been testing since, I mean, I've been in beta since March. Right. So this is the launch launch, but I think what people don't tell you is everything is in beta, <laughs> you know. Ah, it, I see. Everything is constantly in beta. Apple operating systems, Pro Tools, everything. Because, you know, you're gonna find something. Like I, I had, I think, 200 plus testers, and you know, all those issues were addressed. Some were not gonna address just because it wasn't going in the direction we wanted to go. But we went through and a, you know, kind of got through everything and and went over it with a comb and just fixed everything. But I think there's going to be even more cases where, okay, you know, what I worry about is you you press a combination of these six buttons and something crazy is going to (laughs) happen, you know, (laughs) like stuff like that. It's just you just got to wait for it and see what happens. But as far as our use cases, I mean, we can easily have a mix uh, remotely uh, without any crashes. So, Hmm. I mean, you have to you have to cut it off at some point. But I think to your point, like I think every software is really in beta.
0: yeah Yeah. to a certain point you know yeah makes perfect sense nothing is like 100% stable yeah exactly yeah Yeah. okay Uh, what's the greatest challenge you've overcome as an entrepreneur
1: yeah this is a crazy question because it's like first of all you're like am I an entrepreneur how did I get in this situation (laughs) you know (laughs) but I guess over like the last couple of years yeah I I took it upon myself to kind of go down this road and for me the challenge is not I mean, okay, the tech was certainly challenging. Working with the developers and getting what I wanted was certainly challenging, but it's really you know, being able to solve a need and that need usually comes from us first. Usually we have this idea because it pertains to us, right? Mm -hmm. But being able to solve something that pertains to a lot of people was not easy because there's so many use cases and so many things. People want to see so many different things and and still like that's that's ongoing. I don't I don't think that challenge has yet overcome. That's why it's still fresh in my mind cuz e- each time you know you go to a conference too, it's like okay, we have this need and we want to use this for like live news stations and things like that and it's like, well, you know, there's different applications for that. You should get hardware boxes that are dedicated like do the really expensive solution cuz you don't want to risk something, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to solve like a real-world need and still i don't know it's it's a really good question that's why i'm like thinking out loud as we're talking but i think Mm. being able to have a practical solution to a need still applying after you've gone through all this tech and all this development like your original idea is it still intact and a lot of times like the the idea from what I hear and what I understand, talking to other entrepreneurs in, in the in tech, like it changes quite a bit from their original idea to where they started, and mine hasn't changed at all. Hmm. Um, so that was something I had to really fight for and stay because there were so many opportunities to compromise and release early, but the development took a really long time, and and having that patience to sit there in Ukraine. <laughs> was was something. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Like being able to make sure that it's exactly how you want it.
0: And what would you say is the biggest victory you've experienced as an entrepreneur?
1: I mean probably surviving Ukraine.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like getting out of there and and that that was really tough on me. I mean cuz it's at a point where the project manager is telling you this will be done next month, but you know that's not true cuz you're working with them directly. So it was just kind of a mess of a situation. And actually staying there long enough and coming out. It's all related, I think. That was the biggest victory for me. Like, actually completing what I set out to do, it, it wasn't too easy for me. And it was just a little, I mean, it, I, I sacrificed a lot of, uh, you know, <laughs> you know when your life just completely just changes and it's forced to change <laughs> when, yes. when you don't expect it? and. And you, you, the things that were important to you before just aren't important as important anymore. I think.
0: Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, so it
1: wasn't. Yeah, really it wasn't really a sacrifice, but it was more like okay, a shift and a focus, and like, okay, I'm not gonna go to the, you know, meet up with friends. You know, it's like a silly thing, but it's like a real focus and almost like self punishment <laughs> until you're. <laughs> self <Self-punished. punished. laughs> <But>, Yeah. <laughs> So and I didn't have my my instruments with me, you know, I didn't have my synths or my guitars or anything like that. So that was really tough cuz usually after a long day like I'll I'll just start writing music or making composing something or like working on something creative, you know, just to take myself out of it and not having that was kind of kind of something, you know, kind of strange for for that that amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so it it almost forces that creative hunger in a different direction i think yeah. and
0: uh, you know it's like over
1: overworked but still like in a good way
0: absolutely i know exactly where you're coming from and i would say i'm probably going through one of those transitions right now as i look <laughs> to to move yeah. out to bc and yeah. Uh, yeah, man. begin begin a new life so uh,
1: yeah well it's uh i hope something really good comes of it yeah thank but it you. sounds like sounds like
0: yeah Oh, I'm sure it will. Are there any books or other resources that have helped you on your journey?
1: I think as far as books, I mean, I've been kind of again like kind of removing. When I when I read, I want to remove myself a little bit. Yeah, there's sure there's like, mm. you know, entrepreneurial books and stuff, but there's Yeah. Uh, I've been reading The Mysticism of Sound and Music. And that's just so Have you heard of this book? It's like I've I have read the- Hasrita Naith uh, Khan. It's like a Sufi book, like uh, kind of a mystic religion, music, sound, evolution type thing. Where it's so abstract, and some parts are really difficult to read, but it really brings you you out of your reality. And it's like, what's what's really important? Hmm. Um, where does sound come from? What what is the nature of sound? How it how does it influence us? What are the implications? And for me, that's, that really hits home. I mean, and this is more of like, you know, I guess not really the entrepreneurial success, but it's, you know, kind of as a person, as a musician. Um, So, I I mean, I like weird shit like that. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if it's, you know, as far as books, but, and I, I read quite a bit on, you know, obviously, you know, you're reading articles constantly, like how things are working and stuff. And a lot of technical manuals, um, a lot of stuff on like how to managing teams and stuff like that. But it's, um, it's just been a lot of work. So reading time has been, uh, definitely cut more than I like it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really important to, I think, just kind of lose yourself in a book. You know, it's not, I don't want to read about so much about work and, and, and that other kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. sounds like it's kind of a relaxation time for you. Yeah. Which is also important. Yeah, absolutely. Every entrepreneur needs to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. I recently got an iPad along with an Apple Pencil. And, you know, as, as a kid, I used to draw a lot. And it's mm. not something I've done much in recent years. But then mm. with the Apple Pencil, it made me want to just try things out and explore things. So I was up till like mm. one one thirty last night just oh my God. messing around with it. And that like, sounds awesome yeah it was it was very it was a very zen time for me so yeah it might what might, did you draw I, uh well first i'm, I'm <laughs> because i grew up in japan i'm used to drawing like anime style ah. stuff ah. so that, that's one of the things i was doing and then i did some like abstract mountains and then i just did like a tree in the field kind of thing so oh my god yeah
1: oh that's it's, not you painted my picture i'm, I'm in japan next month and oh. yeah we're actually doing uh interbee in shiba um so we're super pumped about that Genius. and like yeah you've you kind of drew what i'm looking forward to uh <laughs> where did you live in japan where were you
0: it's a city called takarazuka and it's in between kobe and osaka and oh. it's the birthplace of osamu tezuka who created astro boy and many 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 oh, other wow. famous characters and cool. it's also uh home to what they call the kageki which is mm-hmm. uh, female only theater so it's like the opposite Ah. of shakespeare because in shakespeare time it was you know it was always men or boys playing the parts yeah
1: Ah, interesting okay (laughs) crazy that's how long did you live there
0: eight and a half years
1: wow and you grew were you born there or did you live there after like when you were younger
0: yeah i was not born there i was born Mm -hmm. in Camrose, and then we moved when i was like Five turning six. My sister was born in in Kyushu, Fukuoka, actually. But uh, oh. yeah, so so I mean, wow. really a huge part of my upbringing. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's those are those formative years, man.
0: Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> you know, that's time.
1: crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. So that so that kind of came back to you when you picked up the the pencil, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah, it did, and yeah. it's really interesting. It was wow. un, unexpected, but uh, I felt like I could. You know, mix and match the 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 pencil, the pen, and and the mar- the marker, and, and and get some effects I couldn't get before. So I, I would not have guessed that you know yeah I, I could be that that exact with with a yeah. with a tablet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I saw a lot of people uh, doing that actually. The people at the booths next to us were. I mean, there were times where there's like no traffic at all. You know, like after lunch, people are just like on their iPads and this. <laughs> This girl next to us had the iPad and was drawing. She's like a graphic artist or whatever.
0: I was like, wow, that looks
1: so in- – it was so good. It was so mm-hmm. precise. Yeah. I was shocked by it. It looked awesome.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm very surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, who knows? I mean I have a tendency to turn all that into into like business or money making. I'm going to try not to do that <laughs> with this and just kind of make make it my yeah, personal no. for fun hobby. But. Yeah, some
1: things need to be left. <laughs> I, I
0: really do think so. That was my past tendency. I think I'm I'm too tired yeah. for that at this point. <laughs> totally.
1: <laughs> too burnt no, I out. feel you, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. Thanks so much for your time and yeah. gen- generosity. I mean, is there anything else I should have asked?
1: Um, no, you covered it pretty much, man. I mean okay. I think I probably told you more than what you asked, but <laughs> It was uh, it was definitely a fun conversation
0: for me too. So thank you for that. It was, and I'm glad it was enjoyable. <laughs> I'm currently working on something for you called the Music Entrepreneur Code. There will be more details to follow, but for now, you can go to musicentrepreneurhq.com/slash/code to learn more and to get on the waiting list. That's musicentrepreneurhq.com/slash/code. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast.